Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knifeworks, and you and I are listening to the Work For It podcast, where the emphasis is on business in the workshop. You can support these guys for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year, and show your support by going to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That won't even buy two gallons of gasoline here in California. You might as well support these guys like I do so they can help us all work for it. Hey, what's happening? It's Brian House here with the Work For It podcast. It's Thursday or whatever day that you are tuning in to this podcast. We get asked that sometimes from people who don't understand podcasts. They go, hey, what time is your podcast on? <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I go, here's the feed. And they're like, feed? Question mark? Like, I don't get it. Now, I love the fact that we're saying this to the people who have figured it out and are listening. <laughs> what time? What, hey, what time you guys on? Oh, goodness. Oh. Hey, man, turn us on anytime. Uh, so the show is supported by the Patreon supporters. If you've noticed, there's no commercials. You listen to the show and you don't hear any screaming at you to buy a car or to uh, you know get some insurance or whatever else and that's because of the beautiful people over at patreon they paid as little as ten dollars and eighty cents a year for that privilege we have many hundreds of people that do this and uh, thank you so much to you all who participate in that and if you would like to do that as well go to patreon.com forward slash work for it to sign up today you get a chance to talk to us in the after show, ask us a question, we'll answer it on the after show specific to you. Last week, the show was very well received. We did a, uh, Brian had this idea of giving away the after show. I had numerous people tell me that they had listened to that show and had to listen to it a couple of times because they got so much out of the advice we were giving. Uh, it was a serious question. Go back to one episode behind this, and you can listen to it if you haven't already. Uh, but it helped a lot of people, and um, I appreciate all the positive feedback that we got from that. That was really amazing. Thank you so much. Honestly, uh, it has got to be one of the most positive feedback I've gotten out of the show yet. Huge, man. Man, really touched so many people, yeah. Really shows how much that subject really touches a lot of people. So, yeah. I, you know, thinking back on it now, um, I, I wonder if there's a correlation between the type of people like, you know, guys like us that do work with our hands and make things and those traits, you know, anxiety, <laughs> depression, you know, things like that. It makes you wonder, you know, because it was pretty crazy to hear some of the people who I was talking with telling me their story. And I'm going, you, you have a problem with this? Holy right. shit. And uh, uh, the other on the flip side of the coin, people were saying that to me, like, I can't believe you struggle with this. Like, you know, yeah. like in, and I think what it did was open up a dialogue because, you know, my, my whole thing about being a, a man in America and most cultures, you know, you're not allowed to talk about how you feel, which is right. the reason why most suicide happens with men. It's right. not women killing themselves. It's men. Yeah. And it's because we're not allowed to talk about it. And that's a cultural thing. Um, but I'd like to start that dialogue with people and say, like, hey, making things had, give me, had given me purpose and saved my life. It just did. And yeah. through that path of making things and doing things, 
I found out that I can make it through this. You know, it was like just enough for me to distract myself with something to build up my self-confidence enough to just keep going every day. Sometimes it was minute by minute. And I just feel like if you're stuck at a desk or a, a job that's just not very fulfilling to you, it just gives you a lot of time to think about how fucked up things are. And, you know, <laughs> I, you know, it's like you get into that modality, you know. So anyway, thank you to everyone who uh, reached out and uh, gave us feedback on that show. Um, it will do it again for sure. We'll talk about it again. And um, I got so many people telling me that I should write a book. <laughs> It was like, you told me that, and then a bunch yeah. of other people told me, and they're like, I would read that book. I would read mm-hmm. that book. And No, um, what what yeah. you should do is, you know, write the book, but don't release the book. Just release the audio book. Yeah. I would listen to you narrating your sure. own book. Yeah. Holy cow, that would be a good listen. I think so, too. I just, people don't understand. Like, I'm not very good at that. I can't, I can't write, but um, maybe I could get a ghostwriter, and I could... tell my story to them and they could like you know put it into words Mm, or something but interesting uh, but yeah so (laughs) weird weird how this whole thing is turning into what it is you know but um so how the hell are you brian you doing all right this week i know you've been a little (laughs) out under the weather there (laughs) yeah so it's really funny that i had so many people reach out and ask me how i'm feeling just off of how my voice sounded last week Mm, people could hear it in my voice and so back up for people who, you know, maybe won't don't know, um, I had COVID. I was diagnosed with, well, not uh, tested positive for COVID. But before the show, the night before the show last week, Emily tested positive for COVID. So I knew, you know, it was coming. She's my fiance. I'm going to catch it. That's that's yeah. part of it. But um, uh, what's really funny is basically – so two weeks ago, I punched that 36 grit belt. So I was out of the shop for that week because, you know, I couldn't bandage my my hands and if you introduce grinder dust or all the, the toxic, you know, carbon fiber dust, God forbid that gets into an open wound. Um, it was on it was on that joint, so I couldn't really bandage it well. So basically, I just finish up with that. I have like one or two productive days and then I go down with COVID. And then I'm out for, you know, three days where I, I got all the way up to a fever of 103. <laughs> like when I was, there was a mult, like a full day where I did not leave the bed. I was awfully sick, could not stand up, could not do anything. Um, so speaking of, you know, when you're sitting there and you're, you're fever, so you're not really thinking clearly you start to think about some really dark shit. <laughs> oh, you definitely do. When you're sick, you just, it's depressing, right? It's right. Just, right. Even if you're not, you don't have a pension for it. You, you, you get yeah. like down. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was thinking about like, okay, well if COVID kills me, you know, Emily and I, you know, didn't end up getting married and you know, the, all the different, you know, I'd love to have a kid you know, it's, it's starting to make me feel like, oh shit, maybe kids should be a little bit more of a priority. And like it's the weird things you think about when you're you know you're laid up for the whole day <laughs> didn't you just you just turned 30 right yeah Is that yeah yep. so yeah it's about that time yeah i know i know tiktok buddy it's coming you gotta you gotta get started i had i had dexter when i was 30 or 29 yeah. i think nice. so yeah yep 
Well, yeah, I'm glad so, you're on the mend. I mean, yeah. that's COVID is no joke, even though it's sort of evolved and kind of a cold. It yeah. still really hits people hard. And um, we're get we have the round of it going here. Uh, Emerson got sick. I, we didn't even bother testing him for COVID. And then Sarah got it. And now Izzy has it. And oh, somehow geez. I'm like Neo in the Matrix. I am, <laughs> I'm like dodging these bullets. You know, I'm leaning back <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, fuck you, COVID. I, ha- I have the maker camp to go to in two weeks. <laughs> like, fuck off. I'm not getting sick. I'm not getting sick. Um, so hopefully, you know, it. Well, I don't get it. But the the really the really son of a bitch that is this this string of events of you know, injuring the back of my hand being out for a week and then having COVID and being down for multiple days is I have this Frankenmuth Fire Arts Fest coming up yeah. this Friday and Saturday. Saw that. And um, so I, if I didn't bust ass the last couple days like I have, I would have a sum total of like maybe four or five knives on my table. I saw a photo, though, of your workbench and it's like you're rocking Full, it. Oh, dude. Yeah, you're doing I, really good. By the end of today, I will have I will balloon that, you know, three to five all the way out to 18. Nice. So um, hopefully that'll be enough to I don't I doubt I'll sell all of those, but it'll be a good showing of, you know, everything from like the little itty bitty knives I've been working on to like the EDC threes hunting stuff all the way to culinary, the big giant chef knives. Like I will have a full smattering of all of the different things that I make and be a good representation of what I can do. So I like the, um, the cutting board and cleaver combo. Dude, that has that one I think is probably my favorite of the whole table. You got to do that more. That that combo like that, putting those two things together, yeah, you're that was like it made me stop scrolling. I was like, who Ooh. did this? And I was like, oh, this oh. is a Brian Cohn piece. Wait, Whoa. that son of a bitch can make something like that? Come yeah. on, <laughs> well, because you don't normally do woodworking and yeah. that kind of thing, so it was it was something different, and I I made me stop and look at it, and I'm like, homeboy made the freaking cutting board and the cleaver. Yeah, I mean, come on, that's cool, man. So, so yeah, well done. So that one, so I've I've made a couple cutting boards before, like basically just rectangular, you know, one foot by eight inch, you know, pretty standard size cutting boards. Um, you know, I've I've made especially like right as my brother was going into culinary school, I made him a couple cutting boards, and then of course the parents wanted one, and the grandparents, and I sold a couple and. You know, that was just kind of something I did before I really got into knife making. So that was just kind of like I've I've done cutting boards before, but nothing like this where it's I mean, the thing is like almost three inches thick. Like this thing is a beefcake cutting yeah. board or charcuterie board. But that piece of wood, basically, it was Emily's cousin was redoing their house and putting in this giant maple butcher block counter tape countertops tables um so they had a big old hunk of cutoff and they're like oh well you're getting into knife making here's some handle material there you go so i did a bunch of knives out of basically little pieces of this butcher block but obviously i outgrew that i started using stabilized woods and carbon fiber so i kind of moved away and that has been sitting this giant hunk of maple has been sitting or manufactured maple has been sitting in a corner for a while 
And basically I started making this little cleaver. I just, I grabbed a piece of, of 1084 scrap and I started forging it. And it kind of turned out to this cleaver that was roughly, it was too small to be a proper cleaver, but too big to wear on your hip. It's kind of awkward. So I thought, hey, this could be a little charcuterie knife or a, a cheese cutting knife or whatever. So I just kind of went with it and I grabbed this this odd shaped piece of maple and it kind of already had that like that handle portion of it was already like I had cut a couple of knife handles out in that area. So it, it was already kind of in that shape. So it didn't take much to shape it into this giant charcuterie board. Then I ground a slot or ground a piece and put in some IPA wood or Ipe wood, or I forget how to pronounce it. I think, I think it's Ipe. I think you're right. Yeah. That's how it's So pronounced. the way that the handle works it in with the charcuterie board is that the Ipe is the matching, you know, the, the little groove of Ipe or little section of Ipe is, you know, the, the match to the handles. So. And the maple you used is beautiful. I mean, it's yeah. just got some really nice texturing in it and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. an awesome piece, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. And, like, I never do stuff. I never do woodworking like that. So it's kind of, it's odd to price something that like that, you know? Uh, what is the price? Like, if you're going to, you, you're I, taking this to the the uh, Frankenmuth Festival thing. So do you have, like, a dollar <laughs> amount you're going to put on it? Honestly, my my whole thing is I'm going to get to the table and I'm just going to throw prices on shit. Because okay. I'm a lot of the knives that are there, like there's basically all the knives that were on my my website. I'm just gonna throw on the table at the price that I was gonna sell it on the website. Cool, works. Um, all of the knives that I'm working on, I don't necessarily have prices for. I would just I've just been making like, oh shit, I should do a couple chef knives. I should do a couple of these. So a lot of these things, I'm just gonna put on the table. I'm gonna write a price on it, just what my gut feels at the moment. Okay, right. so. But with the charcuterie board, like, it's weird because, you know, charcuterie is kind of a high fancy, you know, no offense, but kind of rich people shit. So <laughs> do you do you throw a pretty rich people shit price on it or is it just, oh, well, that was scrap? Uh... <laughs> well, what's the clientele of this thing you're doing? What's it called? Frankenmuth? Yeah, Frankenmuth. What what the hell is this thing? <laughs> Frankenmuth Fire Arts Fest. So this is only the second okay. year that they've done this, but Frankenmuth is kind of like in the thumb of Michigan. It's like the tourist town. So it's so it's little money there. Yeah, it's it's little Bavaria. So it's kind of like little German town. Um, everything is German mm. theme. It's you know, bratwurst and beer and um it. You know, it's it's kind of it's very kitschy or kind of little frou frou. So all right, let me. I'm gonna throw a number out. Okay, you ready for this? What, now I think I think for the set you should put three hundred and eighty dollars on it. Okay, that's reasonable. That's what reasonable. Yeah that that seems I I'm kind of in the vein somewhere between two hundred and four hundred. Yeah, but so I also right yeah. A lot of the knives that I'm going to have there, you know, I don't think there will be a Damascus knife on my table. And that's just because I didn't have Damascus, you know, spare in my shop to make over the last couple of weeks or the last couple of days. Are so, people drinking at this festival? I believe there will be. I mean, it's kind of the whole thing is, you know, you, there's the German beer and the 
Okay. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's just kind of people role. walking around. It's it's midday though, so it's it's hard yeah. to really tell. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. People have a couple of beers. They're wandering around. They meet you. You're you know friendly, and you've got this beautiful stuff on the table. People aren't used to seeing you know, handmade knives anymore. You know, they just don't see them around. It's like you and I see them everywhere because that's the community we're in. But they're gonna, you're going to get somebody to walk up to this table that's had a couple of cocktails and 380 bucks, I'll take that right now, you know? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think you're going to sell that thing right away. I predict I am going to become Nostradamus. I predict Brian will sell this charcuterie board and a cleaver for around $400 US. Now, what's going to be really fun is that last year it was four blacksmiths. So it was, you know, well, actually there's five of us there because uh, Did Jeremy. Did you take volleyball? Yeah, Jeremy from 419 Forging is going to be there with me. And he's going to be there again this year. But so it's going to be in the area that we're at. There's going to be like this old school blacksmith that. I mean, he's making like fire pokers, but he's like doing basket weave handles and stuff. Like he's really intricate. And then there's me and Jeremy Ballaball, and then there's Garrett Waterman from Waterman Ironworks, who makes you know he he makes some hunting knives and a couple other forge projects. He's also like doing this really cool anvil project where he's designed this anvil and he's like trying to to work up enough money to get it into manufacturing. It's a really cool, oh, cool design. It's a really interesting looking thing. He actually sent me a little 3D model, 3D printed model. How do but, I find uh, him? What's so, his? Waterman, W-A-T-E-R-M-A-N, Waterman, Waterman, of course. And then Ironworks. Waterman Ironworks. I Waterman it. Ironwork, yep, yep. Ironworks. Garrett. And yep. then uh, on I the very end. following him now. Yeah, he has 526 followers, by the way. Hey, there you go. But um, and then the end guy was like this kind of wild man is the best way to ex- express what his whole aesthetic was, because he has like he he's working on a railroad, you know, track anvil and a little Coke forge. And he's like every once in a while, he'll like reach down into the Coke and spread it, spread the ash across his face as like war paint. <laughs> like nice. he was a full on like. And when he was forging stuff, there was there was no method to his madness. He was just bing, bang, boom, big, you know, noises. <laughs> Every once in a while, he would grab, I don't know what he what liquid he was, like, pouring on his little railroad peat track, but he would yell, I breathe fire, and then he would smash it. He would put the, the hot steel on it, and it would, like, flame up, like, straight out of, you know, straight out of, like, you know, something crazy, but <laughs> it, it would, it, so he would dump a liquid on the anvil yeah. and he would put hot steel on it and it and would, it would like, it would ignite. So it's some sort it of probably like grain alcohol or something, maybe. something crazy, dude. But like every once in a while you would hear, I breathe fire and then a whoosh. <laughs> so he's a performer as well. So, oh yeah. So interesting. I, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Make a reel with this guy. Like, yeah. go and videotape some of his stuff. I mean, I think yeah. that would be cool. I, I don't yeah. know if it was, like, a full character and he was being method actor, but I would go over and try to talk to him, and he wouldn't use full sentences. <laughs> <laughs> he was really into the character. <laughs> it was crazy. But, yeah, hey, so you I know a lot of those... It. 
I know a lot of those people are still going to be there. I don't know if there's going to be more blacksmiths. I've heard that there's going to be more people in the whole mix. So it's it's a really fun time for sure. So if yeah, anybody is in like the it. in the thumb area or in the Michigan area and you want to come out, it'll be Friday and Saturday, pretty much all weekend this week or Friday and Saturday all day this weekend. So it'll be a good time. Very good. Yeah, very good. I like it. See, I I was like thinking about what to talk about on the podcast because I had a couple of pretty, you know, some things happen to me this oh. week. That's oh yeah. So speaking of, yeah. I'm thinking, you know, my my Astro van's about to bite the dust. Yeah. I'm really thinking about getting into a Kia. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it, here, here's here's what I'll tell you. Like I've owned five of these vehicles and they've all been fine like i've never had an issue like this but the engine blew in my car and normally you know like have you ever felt like life is just using your nutsack as a punching bag (laughs) because no joke dude like i so my daughter totaled her car three weeks ago like she just got this car. Like we, she was turned sixteen, got her driver's license, and you know we got her a little Kia Soul, you know, car. She made a left turn and got t-boned and totally. Holy it. shit! Is like, she okay? Like she's fine. Everybody's oh. fine. Even the person that hit her was fine. Airbags deployed. That's the reason why we got her and Dexter like a car that has all those safety features. Cause you know, Hey, people get in accidents, especially when you're young, you know, it's, you're not as experienced. Right. And, um, <clears throat> so Wait. we were fighting with the insurance company and, you know, they're saying that we can get a car just like hers, like replacement value for $5,000 less than what we paid for that car. Okay. Six months ago. All right. It's five. So I had to eat five grand, you know, basically. So, you know, we have. And then I thought, okay, well, I'm going to get a new car. I'll give Izzy my car. That Mm -hmm. way we're not buying another car. We're just, you know, I'm I'm about due for replacement. My car has almost 100,000 miles on it. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm ready to get into a different car. So, so you're looking um, at like Corvettes and no, Lamborghinis. No, and, nothing like that. No, I'm no. just going to get like I I bought a, a Tesla. So I, I went and just invested in a mid-range Tesla. Nothing nice. like too crazy. But yeah. So um, and by the way, if you're going to buy a Tesla, like now's the time. Like they've dropped the prices. Crazy. Like I wonder why that is. Price. Well, I know why that is. <laughs> But um, I, I've I've wanted an EV Tesla for six seven years. Like yeah. it's been my thing. Like I've pre-ordered the Cybertruck and you know still don't have it. Um, all that stuff. So I went out on a limb. I have never purchased a new car before. Like yeah. a new new car. Um, always secondhand cars. Always you know do the right thing kind of thing. You know don't you know buy a brand new car type deal. And when I bought this Kia Sorento. It was an off-lease vehicle from CarMax, and it had 40,000 miles on it or something. So it was, like, not too bad. And drove it for the last five years, and it's been fine. It's been a great car. Nice. And um, then one day I noticed oil and coolant on the floor of the garage, and then it started overheating, Uh-oh. like, the next day. Yeah, so Uh-oh. I took it to a mechanic. Mechanic says it's a head gasket. This mechanic used to work for Hyundai, which is the maker of Kia, and he was like, I'm going to just tell you right now that I already know what the situation is. 
and he gave me the rundown and the technical details behind why I'm going to get totally fucked on this deal. Like he was oh, like, Jesus. look, he, yeah. And this he man's was, seen it before <laughs> he had seen it and he was right. And so I had the car towed to Kia and then I got the news that they were like, yeah, it's a blown engine. Like, and we can't fix it. It's a replacement. And I'm like, oh, good. Well, I have the powertrain warranty. And they're like, yeah, you don't though, because you're the second, <laughs> o- you're the second owner. So we don't give that to you. Oh yeah, but here written down in the really small, tiny fine words, detail. Uh, fine detail work. Use right. a microphone or micro microphone <laughs> microscope. Use to a see microscope it. to see it. It says right here, yeah. if if owned by Brian House, fuck <laughs> you. If your name begins with a B, then you're screwed. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is so. The lady goes on the phone. She goes, "It's a blown head gasket and it's catastrophic failure." And I'm like, okay, but I've had blown head gaskets before in cars, and they literally fix the head gasket and remachine right. the head. And she's like, yeah, it's not that simple. And yeah. and I kn- already knew because the mechanic had told me, and then I Googled the problem. And what it is is they use the wrong kind of aluminum. They use the wrong thread Wait pitch. Wait a second. When they, when they build the engine, they use the wrong kind of thread pitch. So the, the heads need to be... And it's not even a helicoil. And there's a lot of ways to fix this, but none of them are proven, and they won't fix them. They Wait, just simply will not fix it. It's a manufacturing error on their part, and they're not making they it. They don't right. admit it. So Ugh. they admitted it in certain years of certain cars and certain engines, but my engine didn't fall into that category. Again. Yeah. I, I refer to you to the super tiny writing. It oh, says dude. right here, Brian House, fuck you. Yeah, I have a call <laughs> into Kia Corporate, and they they were very helpful and nice, but they you know they're gonna escalate this to district and all this shit because I, yeah. I I have heard that if you have been a Kia customer for a long time, which I have, I've owned like five of them, and again I can't say bad things about Kia as a car because. A lot of people gave me shit online about it because I posted about it on Facebook. They're like, who the hell buys a Kia? Blah, blah, that's a piece of junk car. I'm like, well, I've had five of them. They're built in the U.S. Like, that's the other thing. A bunch of people are like, I can't believe Brian House is buying a Korean-made car. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, this car was built in Georgia. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. But the global market now has changed. So you're ignorant if you, you know. Yes, I get it. The company is owned <laughs> by somebody in Korea. But a lot of this, like, just do your research on Ford, Chevy, and Chrysler, and you'll find yeah. out real quick, most of those cars are not built. Even the parts are not made here in the U.S. They yeah. might be assembled here, but they're not. So, anyway, it's all a different market now. But, anyway, th- these cars have been fine. This is the one time I've had an issue. So, the repair is like nine grand. I need a new engine, and the car is a boat anchor until I do this. So, I'm Ugh. forced into this situation because... It's always cheaper to repair a car. I don't care what you say. Like, unless the car is, like, super old and it's a classic car or something, it's always cheaper to repair the car you have than to buy a new one. You know, Brent mm. was a mechanic for years, and that was his advice. He was like, look, just you need to get it fixed. because it's Wait, so how about this sit. situation? It's a 96 Astrovan, and there's a short <laughs> somewhere, but I have no idea where. Uh, it's probably worth <laughs> fixing, honestly. That's a great car. I mean, that's a great car. It really is a good car. I I will say I've had I've had some major financial setbacks in the last little bit. So 
the good news is is that um, they're going to fix the car. I've already paid for half of the payment up front, and they're putting a new engine in it. Um, I heavily leaned like against getting the Tesla at that point because it's an expensive car, and I was just like, I don't know if I should just spend the money on the Tesla. And I just like through happenstance saw Elon Musk doing a live stream on YouTube, and I listened as crazy as Elon is. Like he is a PR nightmare. Like yeah, I, he's just terrible at his delivery and his approach on pr- a lot of stuff. But when you listen to the man talk about his future for Tesla, the future of SpaceX, it's inspiring. You know, yeah. it's hard not to get inspired by the his view of the way we should move the human race forward. Yeah. And that's what no joke that I never watched Tesla or SpaceX live streams. And it just came up in my feed on YouTube. And I was like, oh, cool. Elon's doing a thing. And he was talking about his new humanoid robot. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this thing, but it's no, called the Optimus. Yeah, and, and he's building this robot, and it's like this cool thing. He believes that everybody's going to have a humanoid robot that follows them around and you know helps them with their daily tasks and whatever, mm. um, which is creepy and scary as shit. But I, I started to think about like how, well, how much more could I get done if I had like an extra set of hands working sure. with me all day, you know, if, you know. So anyway, long story short is I've been, I've had worse. I, I, I've had better weeks. Let's just say that. (laughs) Well, before we move on from Elon, so one of my buddies from uh, college basically moved into a company where they move large shit. And one of the big move, big large shit that they moved was for SpaceX. And um, basically he was in the same room as Elon when they were, when they're launching or they're they're testing a nose cone for one of the one of the um I forget exactly what it was. Like Falcon but the, rocket, maybe. Right. One of the crazy rockets they the the company um his his part of it was to get it moved and basically put in properly, but the company that he worked for does something with metals. I don't I don't know. I mean he he told me, but obviously I have a terrible memory. It, in one year out. Well, I, I hold on things. Some people hold on things like a, like a, you know, steel box. I hold on to things like a steel sieve. Um, <laughs> so basically he was in the same room when they were testing. Cause you know, he moved it in and you know, they said you can, you can go or you can see it, you know, explode and hang out here and watch it, you know, go, you know, whatever they're going to do to it. So obviously stayed. And then Elon walked in un- unannounced with his giant entourage and he didn't talk to him directly, but heard him speak. And he's like, you know, if there is aliens on Earth, Elon is one of them. Yeah, yeah, he does seem that way. He's yeah, he's definitely on some different spectrum than the rest yeah. of us. You know, like you listen to him talk and he's he's on another plane. And that's the reason why most people criticize him, because he doesn't have all the candy and the light in his words. He just is very, you know, he's just who he is and you have to kind of look past that at times when you're dealing with somebody of that level of intelligence and i'm not saying he's like a brilliant genius he he's he's really good at organizing people right um inspiring people to do work that uh he thinks outside the box he wants to push yeah beyond you know he doesn't care what it costs because he has this funding from all the years of owning paypal and you know, he's got a lot of government subsidy money now. 
And so he's like the mad scientist with an endless checkbook. He can right. just write the checks to make all this stuff happen. And it's inspiring to watch one man lead that charge. You know, it's yeah. not like a board of directors. It's one guy who works a lot, works really hard. And yeah, he's weird. And yeah, he says shit that he shouldn't. And he trolls people and he does a lot of weird <laughs> shit. But you know, it's, it, it's, you can't look, you can't see his work and really truly criticize it without using some of the things that he's got, you know, that he's made. Like I bought a Starlink for the house. Fantastic. This is like awesome. It's a great piece of equipment. He does his thing and does it well. He really gets into the weeds and the details of everything. So I really appreciate that about him. From the story from my buddy, speaking of knowing details or getting into the details, like Elon was talking to his supervisor, like the guy or the guy who whatever. Basically, um, Elon knew about the equipment that he they used to move the thing in. And he was like talking about the special, you know, specifications of whatever and how, you know, the, the manufacturer of that specific part on this thing is like way overbuilt and it should, you know, it was just crazy that like, how does he know, or he's researched and knows about, you know, the most random crazy details, but it's, it's part of being that, that crazy high end leader of not only knowing the macro, but the micro. Yeah. And we did an episode about that a while back called the, the profit is in the details. Yeah. And it's the truth. You know, there, you don't get where, like Elon is without being super detail oriented and what I'm a detail oriented person as well. And I'm not to the level that he is, but um, it's not socially acceptable to be detail oriented. So when you're in the weeds and you're asking questions, it literally annoys everyone around you. (laughs) And I know this because this is what I do. And, everyone knows that this is how I am. I need to know down to certain details about how everything works. Mm -hmm. And I set that expectation because I don't want problems. I know that if I find out what kind of tape we're using to box things up, is it fiber tape? Does it have, you know, what is it? What's the tensile strength? And you literally everyone in the room is looking at me like, why the fuck do you care? <laughs> right. And, um, and, I, and it, I care because loss comes down to the adhesive backing right. on tape. And so that's why I need to know. And it, it I guess that's be, it, from whatever reason I do that is because I hate loss. I hate waste. I don't want waste. I believe in being as efficient as possible. And at the end of the day, it comes down to efficiency, yeah. which is, in my mind, profit. And that's the way he is, too. So you can tell, like, the people around him are just, you, you know, he had to do that for a lot of years when he wasn't Elon Musk. When he was, <laughs> like, just this nerd guy building a software company or whatever. Right. People were just like, fuck this guy. I'm sure he heard right. that so many times, like, get laughed out of the room, you know. But he right, didn't but care. That's a really good segue into how do we channel this part of Elon Musk's personality, the not only having the big giant vision for where our company is going and the things that we want to do, 
but also looking at what we're doing down to the very fine, like it's combing through what we're currently working on with a fine tooth comb to pull out every little bit of bad so that yeah. our shit can be good. Yeah. Somebody to, somebody to look at, look at like, um, Matt Gentry's work. Yeah. I mean, the guy is hand making knives. His success level is where it is because of the details, his fit and finish. Yeah. He spent so much time working on the muck design and refining it and refining it and refining it until he found that level of perfection he was okay with and then kept pushing to make it better. And then now he's making them and then coming up with better handle material and mm -hmm. different ways of uh, manufacturing that knife. And it's all about the details. And that's the reason why he's successful. He's got orders and doing this full time and he's one of those guys like you, you invite him to blade show and he's like i don't have fucking time for that and you know <laughs> i it's because he's so busy as it is he he gets it it's that's who he is as a person and to be fair to be fair the dude was in the process of building the house that he's currently moving into but have you seen these little updates he's doing on the shop that he's building yes it's unbelievable yeah yeah, he's doing it right too. I mean, he's putting all that. He's got. I think he said he got two hundred amps of power or something in there. It's like <laughs> Dude, more, I, more than my shop. <laughs> what's crazy to me it. is I was out there. You know, the house is built that was built or not like finished, but like you know the drywalls up and paints on and the floor is down. The but the the place was empty or they're working on different things more they were working on cosmetic things but you could see you could still see all the structure and all the really cool things that they had to do to make it happen but when i was there the shop that we're now showing off like i mean what's it been like a month and a half um the shop was literally just cones or stakes in the ground like this is the size it's going to be and now he's you know built the thing up and run electricity and you know, the, it looks so freaking good. And it's like, I've been working on this little rinky dink shop that I'm in. And like, I'm just trying to get insulation up and I can't hardly do that. Meanwhile, Matt Gentry's out there already built it to a higher specification that I could even dream of. And he's doing a lot of the work himself. A hundred percent of the work himself. Yeah. So you, it, it's in that level of dedication to a process uh, you know, uh, it it's inspiring to watch somebody just want you know grab their own success by the coattail or by the collar and just do it. And I, there's a fundamental difference between guys like him and me and you and Elon Musk and you know you can throw us all into a basket and then you've got other people going. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> you know, you hear that comment a lot. And yeah. and I'm, and my, my response now is if you write must be nice under one of the pieces of content that I push out, um, I just respond with, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is nice. Now, we're talking about Matt Gentry moving into a new shop. Do you know who else is moving into a tremendously huge shop? I think it's the guys over at uh, Baker Forge and Tool. Didn't they and just get a new shop? I I did the pre-show just a little while ago, and Baker jumped on at the end, and he is moving into it as this episode drops today. He's getting nice. the keys. 
So he's moving from a 2000 square foot shop, which I mean, feels gigantic. And he was talking about when he moved into the 2000 square foot shop, he was, you know, scared because like, how in the hell am I going to fill out this much of a shop? And now it's to the point where you can't like turn around without knocking something over. Right. He's moving from 2000 square feet to 10,000 square feet. We talked about this when he was down after Blade Show. It yeah. was it was he was in the process of negotiating the contract on that building. Yeah. And there was no fear in him at that point. Oh no. He well, was like he, he was so gung ho. He had just absolute resolution. Yeah. I'm doing this. It's game over. I'm doing it. Yeah. It was well, awesome you, to watch. Well, if you look at him, like just a couple of years ago, he was working out of a small little shop like the rest of us. And then he moved into a 2000 square foot shop and filled that thing out so quick. So just imagine now he's got, he's, he's like one of those, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Shoot. The, the, um, some sort of a vine that basically it'll it'll grow to the size that it it is a lot like the area that it has free mm-hmm. it'll grow the entirety of that area sure so yeah. I, I for man it's it's some sort of a plant that does that no it's it's bothering me that i forgot what it was it's like an ivy or something some sort of well anyways but basically imagine you know if he filled out a 2000 square foot shop and now that is super cramped He's in a new space. Just imagine the explosion of growth over the next year. It's going to be inspiring to watch his development as well. And yes, uh, they are also a sponsor of the show, if you don't know this. It's uh, BakerForge.com. You can go check out all of the specialty steels that they make. And in the near future, they will be coming out with a whole bunch more now that they have a bigger space that they're moving into. Uh, if you use the code WFI10, you can get 10% off a piece of this uh, elite Aurora Mai or Makumai raindrop or Go Mai Stitch Q Shim or Stitch Shim Go Mai. There is all kinds of things, uh, all kinds of different types of steels that they make in their shop. And if you watch any of their social media, you'll be able to see that they've absolutely perfected this process and it's inspiring to watch yeah. those guys grow their business um go check out bakerforge.com and uh, support those guys because this is i think the reason why i love you know koi and and watching his development is because for so long, we had moved manufacturing away from the United States. We had, mm-hmm. we kind of walked away from it. You know, um, there was a lot of factors that played a role in that, and it it's it was felt. You know, almost immediately. You know, the loss of jobs and uh, recessions, and now we see our folly that we need to be making things here. We need to be doing things again, not just for the economy of it not just the money side but also because of the purpose side you know what we talked about in the last episode about people finding purpose working with their hands not everyone is i would say a majority of the people on the planet are really not suited to be sitting at a desk all day it's just not it's not the way humans are built we we should be working you know moving things 
using our bodies, our hands and our minds to create things. Yeah. And Coy has done that. And if you follow his story, he was an entrepreneur at a young age. Uh, he's still quite young, in fact, and uh, had a painting contracting business and decided that he didn't want to do that anymore, that he wanted to change it up and started making steel. And to think about the transition from being a painter, like a commercial or a residential painter, and moving away from that to doing what he's doing now, that is a not even just a polar opposite. It's not 180 degrees. I don't even know what it is. I mean, it's just a, one planet to another, completely yeah. different work. And to watch his success has just been so inspiring. So we appreciate you guys over at Baker Forge. Coy and the Warlocks in their workshop doing all that great work. Thank you so much for supporting our show and keeping it commercial free. Now, if you've made yourself a really beautiful piece of steel, or excuse me, if you've made a knife out of a perfect piece of steel out of Baker Forge, what should you do for the rest of that handle? Man, you got to go over to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com and check out Lawrence Lake's selection of the finest handle material, pins, mono steel. In fact, they carry, if you're in Canada, they carry Baker Forge, all nice. the, the stuff. So uh, they have a deal worked out where uh, Baker sends a you know stockpile of steels to, to Lawrence, you know, because there's a you know when you when you send things to Canada there's a there's things you have to pay and taxes and fees and all that so they've worked all that out you can get abrasives you can get tooling you you name it Lawrence is a great guy to work with he started Maritime Knife Supply I think about 3 years ago I think it was like 2020 sometime yeah um, and, and it was 3 years ago and I know that because he made a post about it yeah, and it's that. amazing because he made a post, I think, or it was resharing a Facebook thing where it's like three years ago today or two, whatever it was. And um, it said like, I'm, it was Lawrence Lake putting out a thing saying, Hey, I'm starting this company where I'm going to sell sandpaper and steel. And it was just like, it's only been three years. <laughs> How the hell seems, are you this big already? <laughs> it seems amazing. Yeah. The transformation. And Lawrence is another guy that, you know, he's a CPA. And he's also a knife maker and a blacksmith. And he decided that he wanted to do maritime. Yeah. Same story. You know, guys changing it up. Um, I still believe he is a CPA and he still runs that side of things. So maritime and that kind of coexist together. But uh, we work only with people that we know and that we feel confident that, yeah. you know, you're buying from someone who isn't going to send you something subpar. Um, you know, we don't need to take sponsors on the show. Yeah, we, we, just we don't. don't and we don't need sponsors like, you know, a revolution grinder or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And if you're looking <laughs> for the best grinder on the market, make sure you go to housemade.us. Um, yeah, uh, man, it's been a ride. And, I, you know, I think the one of the things that I thought about when everyone was telling me that I should write a book was talking about the maker economy I think yeah. would be kind of interesting for people to understand that guys like Coy and Lawrence and myself, you know, we popped up uh, our businesses because of the econ the maker economy. And j just like anything else, an economy is, has to, you know, sustain, it has to have P 
people buying things and making things mm-hmm. and it's like a little engine you know you um brian Cohn decides one day he wants to be a knife maker right so he has to go out and he has to buy a drill press and a grinder and steel and handle material and all these things well and anvil and a forge oh, uh, tons yeah <laughs> A million things. Yeah, and a house and, you know, to, has a workshop attached to it. Think about how much money you've spent that has been the, the, the maker in you has influenced the money that you've spent, right? Yeah. Think about that for a second. It's, it's pretty hefty, but think about what it's brought back to you, right? And now do that times, say, 10,000, 20,000 people, and you've got yourself a very solid economy of people doing this work that are spending money and making money in this little bubble that we have, this little sphere of makers. And I'm just blessed to be a part of it. And I'm here doing the work of helping educate the guys that are doing that work in understanding what it looks like from a business side of things, which is why I think work for it as a podcast has been so successful. We can tell great stories. We can, um, you know, talk about all kinds of topics. But in the reality of things, this show, the fuel that burns inside of this show that keeps it going is the value that we bring every week. You know, talking about my experience and your experience as someone who has started a business from 20 years ago to today and all the things that come along with that. And I'm very transparent. I don't leave things out. I talk about everything and bring that knowledge and experience to life in this podcast. Then we saddle it up next to Brian Cohn, someone who is just getting started and is doing his thing, went from stocking shelves at Target Mm -hmm. two years ago to full-time maker today, owns a workshop and a house, all because he works with his hands. That's a pretty amazing thing, right? And when you join this podcast, you are still working for Target. I, I almost said, you know, all because I work with my hands and also Emily has a real job. <laughs> you do have a partnership and yeah, that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, the partnership is important, but it, it is uh, a lot of guys out there uh, would want what you have. They would want to do what you do. And so I think it's it's such a neat thing to be a part of a community where we get instant feedback after we launch a show, people talking, telling us certain things and how it's impacted their lives or how we've changed their minds on certain subjects. Mm. And I just think I never thought having a podcast would do that. I did not put any stock in podcasts at all. I was like, really podcasts. And then, you know, Craig is trying to convince me, you know, man, it's a really good thing. You should try it. You should do it. I think you'd be great at it. Um, so I appreciate Craig for pushing me in the direction to create work. Yeah. For it, so it's amazing how, you know, you're sitting down and you're, you have a captive audience for an hour. It's amazing how, how powerful that can be. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say like, oh, you know, we are so important. You must listen to us. But us just kind of being among the community, it's amazing how much not only we can amplify voices that, you know, need to be heard, but also bring up subjects that can then start a conversation that needs to be started. It's really amazing 
how powerful this community can become. I mean, it's shown by even the last show where we're talking about mental health and all of a sudden people are having mental health conversations. And I know of people that have not said anything to anybody who have then confided in me and got it off their chest or, you know, the Arlen Prozeller thing. It's like, you know, just a small post can turn into, you know, Arlen getting everything he possibly needs as a young maker. I mean, he's set up to become the best of the best, and he's done it so early that he has plenty of time and plenty of energy to really, really, you know, shoot off like a rocket ship. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I just want to say that I absolutely love this community, and I love this podcast to my core, and I wouldn't be anywhere else. Yeah. So let's transition that. Let's go ahead and bring up a couple of hashtag WFI projects, and I specifically want to try to shout out some people that we've never seen before. So that's that's my little hook for this time around. Never seen before. Oh, or geez. maybe not ne- never seen before, but maybe someone who, it's not like, you know, this tried and true 10 people that we always see, you know, like the Carol and Jeanette or, you know. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love Carol and Jeanette. And it's awesome to see her that she's back in the shop after getting all those stitches and, you know, she's back to work. I, Are you saying I have that I should block her on no, Instagram? No, 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 nothing saying? like that. But just this time around on this podcast, I want to shout out some the little guy, you know? All right, all right. That's fair. That's fair. We have 15,000. 15,000. Plenty to choose 38. from. Yes, that's exactly. So if you want to get uh, shouted out on uh, this show, all you got to do is hashtag WFI Projects with an S on Instagram. I'm searching for it right now on my phone because my computer won't show me everything. But I've got one pulled up go for here. It. So I've got Sasquatch underscore CNC. Have you heard of this guy? Oh, I, yes. Oh, well, now of I have course. to move on to the next one. No, on. no, no. no. <laughs> you know who he works for? No, who does he work for? He works for Coal Iron. Oh, here I am. I thought I, I'm pulling out like, you know, somebody I've never seen, but here it's Coal Ironworks. All right. Well, he is the CNC. Lead. Now I'm looking into his feed, and now it's he is the CNC lead for Coal Iron Works. So, you know, <laughs> here I am push, here. <laughs> pushing out a small guy, Mister Sasquatch underscore C. I mean, he's at two thousand followers. So, I mean, go check him out. But I love this little push dagger that he's made. It's you know, it looks like it's maybe a two and a half inch push dagger blade, but it's got this really cool like some people are absolute artists on the forge. Some people are artists on the grinder. This guy is an absolute artist on the CNC machine. You can see that he's put in these nice bevels. So it's, he's got some street or he's got some grinder cred to him, but he's put in this really interesting diamond shaped texture on the, the flats of the blades. And it's not only like, it's not just up on the blade area. It's the entire handle as well. And there's no handle material. So it's a really thin, it's a really light, it's a very versatile push dagger, but it's got this really heavy diamond texture, almost like, um, are you seeing this thing? Uh, it's, yeah. it's, um, what's, what's that steel like you, you see on industrial sites and that, like that, a diamond plate. Yeah. I diamond plate. Yeah. You know, the, the thing I can't think of the diamond on the plate, it's diamond plate. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I wonder why you guys listen to me, but. 
So <laughs> it's got, but he's CNC'd all of these and it's, it's a really interesting texture and it gives this thing like a depth and a little bit of an edge that really makes this thing pop. And these sell them for like 135 bucks. They're, they're relatively cheap and ready to go. So yeah, go check out Sasquatch underscore CNC. He's a really interesting maker and it's a different angle on knife making that you don't really see all that often. Yeah. I think his name is Shiloh. His first name. Way to go, Shiloh. Shiloh. Yeah. And um, we sent him some house-made swag not too long ago. And I was on the <clears throat> the Coal Iron podcast when I was at Blade Show. Yeah. They asked me to sit down and uh, talk uh, with Francis. And I did that and then shouted out Shiloh and Nigel and all the guys over at Coal. Um because I man, their podcast is amazing. I don't know if you've listened or watched their podcast, but they do oh, a yeah. video feed on it too. So you like on uh, uh, Spotify, you can watch it like Joe Rogan's podcast, and it's really freaking good, man. I mean, it's so good. But in order to be on it, you have to be there. Oh wow! So they've they've asked me to fly up to Indiana and actually go and you know hang out and stuff um but we're gonna do i think we're gonna nate and i the owner of cole are gonna do a podcast at well we sort of talked about it i don't know if it's gonna happen but we were we we're gonna try to do a podcast at maker camp nice so we'll see i don't know if it's gonna happen it's probably gonna be way too busy it's gonna be just like blade we're not gonna have, <laughs> not gonna have yeah. time for shit <laughs> it's it's the whole thing like the first time i went to blade show i had i think 12 interviews i lined up and didn't do a damn one <laughs> yeah it's, it gets gets out of hand real quick yeah. um i'm gonna shout out simple little knives I don't that's know the if one i seen. pulled up for next that's okay funny. yeah that uh he's just drilling holes in handle material uh documenting his process on wfi projects and at this moment, we have, let's see, let's click on his thing. He has 630 followers on Instagram. Simple little knives, all one word. And go nice. check him out. He's got a bunch of good, cool stuff going on in his workshop. And he's doing exactly what we talk about on the show all the time. If you want to create content for your Instagram feed or whatever vertical video that you're up to, just document. Don't create it. That's it a Gary V. And Simple Little Knives is doing that exact thing. He is just documenting his work, showing what he's up to, and putting it out for the world to see. Now, here's one that we can end on. We can we can do this one, then the dad joke, and then the after show. So this one, I really want to see you guys show out for him. I know it's at the end of the show, so maybe not everyone's listening. But all of you that are listening, I want you to go and check out Plan Alp Hardware. That's P-L-A-N-A-L-P Hardware. All put smashed together, put it in the search box on Instagram, and go check him out. He is at 11 followers, and he is doing a revolution group grinder build and he's showing off all the different steps that he's doing there's 10 pictures here and you can see them like put this thing together grind it together weld it together all in these 10 pictures but this do and you've liked the 
I don't know if you just now liked it, but you and two other people liked this this post. What's the what's the hand what's the guy's name on Instagram? Plan Alp Hardware. P L A N A L P Hardware. All all one word. Go search it out. Go check him out. He now has twelve followers. I think you just followed him because he was just at eleven a second ago. I uh, know. I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow him now. Now he has thirteen. Hey, there it is. But go check this dude out. He only has four posts up, so you're getting in on the ground floor on this guy. But, Invest early. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Like he's he's now has himself a grinder. He's going to be doing something yeah. really cool. He has. It looks like the couple of their posts is about like this folding knife that he's, I don't know if he's made it or he's designing it, or it's just something that he likes that he decided to post, but now he has a revolution. He could grind it. He can make it himself. So yeah, go check out playing. Yeah, I dig it. All right, Brian, you got a dad joke in you. Uh, yes. Um, let me see here. I had just had it pulled up. Um, before my ex-wife moved out, she said we needed to have a talk about how childish I was acting. Oh, yeah? Un- yeah. Unfortunately, we never got to have that conversation because she didn't know the secret password to <laughs> the treehouse. <laughs> she, she didn't know the secret code. And by the way, no girls allowed. You take your cooties and you get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah. That was a dad joke from Jeff Carey. There we Thank go. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate you. Um, I I just want to say again and reiterate that if you are having you know mental health problems, so we talked about the anxiety, the depression, all of that. Go back and listen to the yeah. episode before, and then you know obviously get help. Talk about it. It's it's a thing. I I will say that a couple of people have reached out to me. People who are in my sphere who I never, ever, ever would have thought had an yeah. issue with this, and they have an issue with it, okay? And it's, you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You just need a little help, and it's okay to talk about it. And if people think you're weak or they judge you or whatever, those aren't your people, all right? That yeah. You've got to let those people out or go or whatever. I'm not saying cut them out of your life or whatever, but I'm just saying the right kind of person is going to hear what you're saying and – and listen to you and 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 hopefully help you process what's going on in your life um so just keep that in mind okay so many people reached out about it and uh, a lot of a lot of people hurting man it's it's a thing but Mm -hmm. what i also took from those private conversations that i was having with people is that a lot of people have their own coping mechanisms which are very similar to what we discussed Mm. you know and they were very hopeful you know, some people were like, yeah, I've dealt with this forever, but this is how I do it. And blah, blah, blah. There's like, you know, it's almost like a recipe, like you're saying. And, and it's true. It is very, very true. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening in. We are going to move on to the after show. And as you know, if you uh, are a patron of our show, patreon.com forward slash work for it, you get a chance to send us a message. In that message, you can ask us a question. And this week's question comes from Darren Hiles over at Stormlight Forge. And this is kind of a technical question. Um, And it's a good question because I love talking about this stuff. Uh, He's asking, uh, something I never see anyone talk about is belt speed. Ooh. What speeds do you use for different steps of the knife-making process? Oh, wow. And... Dude, great question. 
Excellent question. So we're going to answer that in the after show. We're going to talk all about belt speeds, why you need a variable speed grinder, why that's important, and the different types of materials you're working with require different types of abrasives and speeds on those abrasives. So we're going to talk about that in the after show. Yeah, man. Lots to talk about. Lots of things to answer. I know we we had a pretty heavy show, heavy after show last week. So this one we'll we'll have a little more fun with it. We're but talk you've got to go over speeds. to Patreon. We got to go over about, to Patreon for it, though. We're going to talk about belt speeds and prostate cancer in the after show. <laughs> what? <laughs> See you guys. Bye.